Hello, my name is Richard Zalewski. I'm here with Carl Lander for Proofpoint, and this is part two of our podcast covering transformation of endpoint data security with people-centric protection. In the first part, we talked about multiple channels coming into your company, uh, data protection, people-centric protection, behavior monitoring. It's really quite an important thing to really understand where this technology can go and what technology you have to have in place, and more importantly, how to use utilize this technology. A lot of times, uh, organizations bring in tech and then don't use it to its full potential because it's too complicated or it's uh, too intensive on resources, and they just don't have that, that team. Proofpoint, on the other hand, does a lot of that stuff for you. So it actually monitors uh, behavior, monitors data, monitors behavior with people interacting with data so that it could actually provide pop-ups and that sort of thing that we covered in, in the uh, in the first part of our podcast. So, uh, Carl, um, i got a question for you. Sure. How do we understand the threat landscape in relation to what Proofpoint is doing and what's actually out there in the wild, as we say in technology? Absolutely. So, um, Proofpoint is in the business of uh, protecting the people within your organization. Uh, and making sure that that data loss does, doesn't occur. We can, stop, we can stop that data theft. Over the last well, two decades of my experience in the cybersecurity space, uh, trends come and go. But one key thing is that external attackers are trying to monetize their return, their efforts. And right now, they are doing that through ransomware um, that attempts to encrypt your data, um, obviously, demand a ransom for its safe return, uh, and they're also stealing that data as well and threatening to, to post it in the, the public domain. So you've got ransomware to, to still worry about. You have the workforce, as we mentioned in episode one, has become more remote, more dispersed. We're using cloud applications more often. We're generating lots of data. So you need to have visibility into all of those actions. And further, there's a recognition because we know that around 30% of data loss incidents are due to the insider, the insider being your own employees, contractors, third parties, even supply chain, we need to be able to understand that whilst recognizing that employees will continue to be productive employees and they will continue to use the cloud. They will bring in new cloud applications that the IT team are not aware of they'll start using generative AI. Um, and they don't always think about the, the regulations that employee, their employers have to handle and deal with. They don't always put security first, so they can make mistakes. So we've got the, the onslaught from external attackers, and we've got this added component of looking at our own employees who might have malicious intent, who might be compromised by those external attackers, or who might be trying to do a good job, but not think of security and make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I think really that's the key part these days. Actually, it's nothing new, the, the way attackers are coming in. It's just a much more evolved way that attackers are coming in. Yeah, they're, they're getting smarter. They're getting smarter. They're, they're using law themes that are very business oriented. They are abusing a lot of uh, organizations using Microsoft. They, the attackers abuse Microsoft's systems to not just host uh, malware or host phishing pages, but then use those um, that brand to entice individuals to, to click on a link 
open an attachment. Um, they're, they're just getting better at it. And, and thus our defenses needs to get better and recognize that the threats can exist not just from the outside, uh, but also from the inside as well. And because of that, um, that dissolved perimeter that we mentioned in episode one, arguably your own people are now your, uh, your perimeter. Because where, where people are, data are, data resides, and they, they move data, they interact with data, uh, they store data on, on USB drives, on their own laptops, they send it to their own web-based email account so they can work at the weekend. So there's sort of recognition that uh, we need to have visibility into all these different activities. Uh, and that's where Proofpoint uh, comes in to protect the, the business workflows, um, protect the continued operation of businesses uh, with this with this onslaught from, from all sides, it seems. How have cyber threats evolved in recent years, especially in terms of targeting individuals and employees? Without doubt, email still is the number one threat vector. It's the means by which uh, ransomware phishing comes into the organization in an overwhelming way. So email security, absolutely critical. It needs to be high efficacy. It needs to adapt to modern and evolving threats, uh, as we've spoken about. But then you need to look at the data that resides within your organization that your employees already have access to and can overshare inadvertently. They can uh, send it outside of your organization, even to a business partner, uh, not in a smart way. So you need to look at what your employees are doing. And unfortunately, this is a slightly different than simply deploying anti-malware or EDR sort of components. This uh, of the insider threat management becomes a team sport because you're dealing with people, you're dealing with employees. So HR might have a, a say in all of this. Legal team might have a say in all of this. Certainly the IT teams would as well. So to do all of that, you need to build the, the, the supporting team together who recognize that they need to protect the business, protect the data, protect the employees. Uh, and so spin up the start of a insider risk management program or a data loss prevention program. You need to identify the key data. What is it that is most important to me? Think very carefully around what could be most impactful if it were to leave. Would you then have to notify regulatory bodies? Would you then have to notify um, supervisory authorities like we do here in the UK with the, the ICO, the Information Commissioner's Office? So identify that key data. Then figure out your your relevant use cases. Maybe you want to focus on the departing employee. Why? Because they have uh, signified their intent to leave your organization. They're working out their notice period. Maybe they're going to take data with them. So perhaps we need to uh, look at that as a as a use case. Maybe you're most concerned with your your secret source uh, being leaked out onto USB uh, drives. Um, so understand the use cases that you're wishing to deal with. Get visibility of those and roll that out to your organization, whether that's taking on a data loss prevention tool that looks at everyday actions from all users or an insider threats management tool that looks at behavior of the riskiest users. Um, so that's not all users, just the riskiest ones. 
Um, so you, 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 once you have that visibility, once you have the tools in place, you can then start to look at it from an investigation standpoint, gathering evidence so you can be proactive in stopping that, that data loss. And also factor in the employee helping themselves and thus helping you as a business. We, we, we have a tool where a, a user's actions can be challenged from a security perspective. We're, 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 not, we're not looking at productivity here. We're looking at security and data security. So you can pop up and say, hey, we've noticed that you're performing this action. Please justify it. Is it because you are, you know, this is part of your job role? Is it because you're trying to perform an action that otherwise you wouldn't be able to do? And then jokingly, um, you know, is it because you're trying to steal data? <laughs> um, people are going to justify, and then you've captured that evidence, and then you've got uh, something to talk to them about it. So the, 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 this is all part of this, this program that you can then build, uh, evolve the users. You might even wish to incorporate the fact that you are monitoring from a data security perspective into your AUP or acceptable use policy. Businesses are used to this because we all browse the web. We all use corporate email. Um, so therefore, we all have a responsibility to protect the data within the, the, um, the environment with the goal of permit secure actions and stop less secure actions. I think the uh, the people-centric part is the key here and the people that are the exposure to the company. But that kind of relates to corporate training and employee training and awareness programs uh, within, a, within a company. I think that would tie in really nicely to like a, a situational awareness training aspect where when a new employee comes in, you could out like, hey, this is what we do. This, these are expectations. And this is what this is what we actually do in the technology standpoint. So maybe the pop-up from Proofpoint won't be a surprise. Like, oh, geez, what's this? And sometimes they may get startled or cause some anxiety to them because they're getting this pop-up. Like, what are you doing? Whereas they, you can let them know, no, this is normal. This is normal. We just want to know what you're doing. So maybe you can expand on on how uh, what the technology and what Proofpoint is uh, working with here, how that can relate to security training and awareness programs within a corporation. This comes under security training and awareness, and I'd go a step further as well and factor in security training and awareness and behavior change. Because what we want the training to do, and specifically nudge theory, so you, you prompt person at the right time with the right prompt uh, to change their path. They were on a path to um, have data inadvertently leaked out of the organization. If you can sort of correct that and have them you know, back out of that action, do something more secure, then that training gives or nudge has resulted in a change of behavior. Um, you have made doing the right thing the easy thing. So that, that, that's what's important to do when you're thinking about any security and awareness training and behavior change is that you know many organizations have uh, a 20-minute training once a year, uh, every year, and they hope that that's then going to be remembered by the employees. They hope that it is going to um, have them trigger that uh, recognition that they did training seven months ago when they're about to say click on a potential phishing link. In all likelihood, they're probably not going to remember that. 
So you, you need to have more advanced uh, training programs than that. Um, Proof, Proofpoint does have a, a security and awareness uh, training tool, as well as having the the nudges, the justification challenges within our Sigma information protection platform, as we call it, that does encompass DLP and IDM. Why would an organization wish to do this? Well, they need to bolster their security culture. So this is everything ingrained within the business of how they operate. And to your point, Rich, knowing that the employee has responsibility for data, knowing that the business wants to do them the most, wants them to perform actions most securely. So that's why it's important to prompt at the right time. And that can help that careless user who doesn't know better, who isn't, isn't thinking about security, uh, and even the malicious user, because they recognize then that their actions are being uh, are being logged with the purpose of securing the data. Uh, we find click rates for phishing uh, emails, for example, reduced by 40% with a, with a good, solid training program. And I think that's key. I think a lot of corporations don't um, don't go far enough. And if they do a security training, it's it's usually when like an initial thing, or they do it once a year. Then it kind of yeah, lights a t- up. T- t- a tick box exercise, uh, I think we'd call it. Um, but there's something that there needs to be something more mature uh, to it, so that your your end users, your employees, can be either that first line of defense, so they recognize, oh, this is a phishing email, I'm not going to click on it, or your last line of defense even, that they, you know, your technical controls might not have been successful this time, and something has ended up in the employee's lap, and they know now not to interact with it. So they can be the last line of defense as much as the first line, and, and, and security training does help. And that brings us to technologies and tools. Cybersecurity isn't anything new. It's been around for you know decades now. When I started in technology, I'm dating myself here a little bit, but when I started technology, it was more homegrown. Like when, when you learned about security, you learned it on your own. Now you can go to university and get your degree in, in cybersecurity and security technologies and tools. But that also means that there's a lot of open source stuff out there. There's lots, lots of open source tools, technologies, and there's lots of companies that actually sell technologies into corporations because that's a you know legitimate business opportunity and and they do you know companies like proofpoint they do really good work but how can a business select the right solution to meet their specific needs because that really comes down to uh, what I talk about when I talk to corporations it's not about spending money it's how to spend money wisely anybody could, if you have a big budget you could spend money on anything you want but that doesn't mean it's it's going to secure you what you have to do is select the proper technologies for what your goals, objectives, and everything else around what you want to do is. So maybe you can expand on that from your standpoint. So I, I think there's going to be a, a trigger in some regard as to needing a tool, whether that's unfortunately that a, a data loss incident has occurred, and then you've done some gap analysis and you figured out where the weaknesses lie in your current technology stack or people process technology stack. Um, it could be something identified by a an audit that's uh, identified a missing control. It might be some guidance that uh, a regulatory body or authority has given that is not being met within your organisation, or it could have been a could have been a risk assessment that you've conducted internally because you now recognise that your own employees are pretty tech savvy, and they've just downloaded an app and started to share corporate data with it. 
uh, it might be a, a you know, cloud application. So I think the common theme of all those points I've just mentioned is to, to look at your gaps and identify, uh, as you said, that the right way to fill them in a smart way. Obviously, we, we, we'd like to say that Proofpoint could be a, a really good trusted partner to help with some of this uh, through our uh, data loss prevention tool that looks at everyday users that's file and data focused, our insider threat management tool that looks at the, the threat posed by insiders, so the risky users, because we add behavior to the mix. Um, and then for the, for the cloud application scenario I mentioned, so-called shadow IT, so cloud apps that the IT team is not aware of, and we have CASB, a cl cloud app security broker that can manage access to uh, cloud systems, uh, which is really good because if one of your users is compromised, you can then see that. And we can do some really smart things like, um, you know, reset their, reset their credentials to stop any further damage. Um, but you also need to know what data is important to you. What are you trying to protect? So that's where data classification tools, uh, data identification tools come in. They're all very smart. As you, as you mentioned, you know, and it goes back to the start of my career as well, um, antivirus creating uh, signatures and distributing them on, uh, on floppy disks. We don't need to do that anymore. Uh, we have machine learning algorithms that um, are very smart in that they can scan a small portion of your, your uh, storage space and then it can extrapolate to that and uh, identify what type of material is contained within those files and then share that knowledge with a DLP tool that can then enforce, um, uh, monitor, uh, block or alert actions. So there's a whole ecosystem of products that can, can, can really help. Um, and yeah, I'd just say, you know, reach out to, to leading vendors. Hopefully that's a proof point. Uh, partner with them because any 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 information protection program is a uh, a longer haul than simply just deploying an endpoint AV onto a, onto a node. You need a partner you trust, um, who, who's been there, done that, and got the T-shirt. Has, has lots of experience in deploying such programs successfully. I might add, successfully deploying programs into varied organizations. Um, run a POC. Um, try, 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 the, try the system, do a, do a risk assessment, and um, go from there. Speak, speak candidly about your use cases, what, what really you need to defend against, and um, yeah, build up, a, build up an agreed plan. It really comes down to what's the key aspect of what you're going to uh, be protecting. And, 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 and kind of just say, and keep an open mind, because sometimes the, the new tools that you haven't experienced before will then show, shine a light on threat vectors, you you weren't weren't on your risk radar. Mm -hmm. So that might be the the careless user, for example, the the, the one who uh, just generally makes a mistake. So keep an open mind as to developing protection into those new use cases. Well, I think a lot of times when these technologies come into play, especially something newer, you know, like you said, that the, the light shines on something that nobody ever thought of. It's like, oh boy, we had yep. we this is going on, and it's like. We never thought of that. And then all of a sudden there's exposure that you never even knew was going out, right? So um, there's, a, there's a lot to it. But I think, you know, having, you know, when you're buying technology for a company, uh, you have to 
you have to have the, the the management behind it. It's not just a tool. It's also the, the people and the processes and technologies and, and the, the regulatory stuff that's in the background, you know, driving this thing. So, you know, just putting technology in and, you know, hoping for the best is, is like, you know, you're kind of doing it halfway. But if you have a, have a good plan and, and a solid foundation where management goes, yes, we need to do this. Okay, we need to have a security committee of some sort. But a security, like a lot of people think, okay, a security committee, oh, no, that's going to be heavy. But really, it's just people from maybe department heads getting together, talking about what our issues are, and really what you say, you know, diving down to what the what the most important things are. And then you know, running te- the technology and uncovering all these these things and then going over it with them so they actually understand what's happening in the background. Because a lot of times it's a mystery. Like I've been I've been working in, in corporate environments where it's like, <clears throat> you know, somebody does something and it's like, well, I didn't know it could do that. I don't know what's going on. They don't know what's going on. And when something happens, they kind of, they kind of freeze. Yep. So the, yeah, the, 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 the key aspect to this is be proactive and yeah. know how, how, how to handle those anticipated outcomes uh, and if that outcome is a, a data loss incident or maybe a, a ransomware incident you need to have had an agreed a pre-agreed plan to execute against that i always say don't, don't wait um to run through your plan for the first time during an incident live it, it's not fun yeah you you need to test it you need to get buy-in from other departments, uh, you need to have agreed certain things beforehand. And that could well be down to how are you then going to communicate with the affected employee? If it is a situation where they have you know, signaled their intent to leave the organization and have been caught taking data with them, what does that mean? Does that mean speaking with HR team, uh, getting lawyers involved? You, know, you need to have agreed all of this beforehand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that led you led directly into my next. I was just doing a train of thought, going through some of the questions I wanted to talk about, and that comes into incident response and recovery. I know just from my background, when, I, when people are doing uh, disaster recovery planning and stuff like that, very rarely do I see them doing something around uh, cybersecurity. It's usually like a natural disaster, like the building's gone down, <clears throat> or you know the data center's gone down. We have to recover data, but. Uh, I talked to some, oh, we know, we, we, we don't do that. We don't do cybersecurity. <laughs> so it's like, well, why wouldn't you? And I think, you know, just covering, you know, stepping back to what you just said, it should be part of that uh, that uh, process. So, you know, in, in your estimations, what um, what should a company do? Like, like, and how would Proofpoint be involved in, in, in that sort of thing? So uh, say there's a breach and it's, and it's a big one and you've identified what's going on. So how, how would, how would Proofpoint work with corporate or the legal foundations that would co- be coming into play from a legal standpoint of, you know, this data, which is obviously proprietary to our company, is now like walking out the door. Right. right. So we, we can help customers in a multi, multi-pronged fashion. Um, first off is the setup of the information protection program in the first place. That means getting the the right rules in place, um, understanding where the data resides, facilitating that communication with uh, other departments that might need to be brought in outside of the traditional um, security team department, Um, getting the program set up, tested. We can even train the uh, internal uh, analyst team so that they can then be more proactive. 
And then, of course, there's the ongoing management and maintenance of the program, uh, which we can help with with our managed services arm. Uh, and they can also then be proactive. So they will look for um, actions that are building up to uh, an incident. We can see that ah, the, the, these people are behaving abnormally. Um, these logins are extraordinary. Um, this data set hasn't been accessed by this person before. Do we want to do something about it? So that's where you have the automated tools come in place so that we're, we're not saying we can be a silver bullet. I don't think anyone in the industry can promise that. But the more proactive you can be with a good implementation of an information protection program and careful uh, curation of that throughout its lifespan, because it is a journey and businesses will get more more mature, have better visibility, have better responses, um, so that you can hopefully not get to that point where you are having to deal with uh, the press and the regulatory bodies and, and so on. Um, obviously, there's no silver bullet, but that, that's how, ideally how things should work. Be proactive, get the visibility, uh, put the appropriate mix of people, process and technology in place to reduce the the mean time to detect MTTD and the mean time to respond MTTR. And if you're reducing that and you can see the metrics going in the right way, then you will have less risk in your organization. Since we're talking about incident response and recovery, I think it's the, the thing that stood out for me, just what you said, was the uh, the monitoring part, you can see the buildup. And that leads leads my thoughts as a technology guy and a security guy to think about what are the emerging threats out there? So how can proactive measures be taken to mitigate these threats? Because they are evolving. Like it, the last 10, 15 years, even last five years, even if you just look at cell phone technology with it like last five years, the phones have not changed. The computer shapes have not changed, but what the, what the insights can do has changed a lot. It's, and it's, it's, created, it's created a whole new backdrop to what organizations have to work with. Yeah, what software is yeah, what software is capable of, what apps mm-hmm. on the phone are capable of, is uh, yeah, it's phenomenal and it, it's great. It's both an opportunity and a threat. It can be a strength and a weakness. Uh, case in point, um, generative AI. We're all familiar with ChatGPT um, and how employees can be can be using that and maybe misusing it. Um, your employees are already using generative AI, uh, so you need to act fast. I think that's that's a good message to, to relay into the security team. You might need to then factor the use of generative AI and some guidance around it into your communication with employees. Let them know the boundaries. Let them know that it's not wise to upload the crown jewels to a public chat GPT instance and have that then learn from the data that you've just uh, disclosed to it, for example. Exactly. You've got to sort of train the users, uh, the employees, on how they should interact with Janai. And you can do that you know, safely. Um, and you can describe what is acceptable. You might say, you know, please don't upload the end of year financial accounts and then quiz uh, ChatGPT on uh, <laughs> what acquisitions we should make next year. <laughs> Maybe that's something you want to keep uh, keep to yourself. That's a good point. Yes, that's a good point. So Gen AI can be uh, an opportunity. You know, it's a fantastic tool. Um, 
but you need to know its limitations and the 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 average employee needs to know its limitations and what it can is suitable to use uh, uh, and that, that, i guess that's the emerging threat on everybody's uh, sort of tongue tip of the tongue at the moment how how they can leverage it for good and how it could be misused which uh, <laughs> i think you and i have been in, around the industry for long enough everything has um can be used for good and everything can be used for bad we just need to know how to how to understand uh, the strengths and the weaknesses. Yeah, it's like the dark side of the force. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And that bring, that brings me to the management of an organization. I know uh, some of the listeners who are like C levels or you know in charge of data are going. Hmm, how does this apply to regulation and compliance? Because that's a big thing, right? Because you can get into a lot of trouble either personally or the company can get into a lot of. Uh, uh, critical issues regarding that. So, what steps should a company ensure to, you know, have relevant uh, compliance uh, re- related to uh, protection laws? Because there there are different ones. So, depending on what part of the planet you're actually working on, in Europe or North America, that could be different. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Whether it's GDPR or CCPA or, yeah, or something absolutely. else, the industry specific regulations. Whether it's you're dealing with um, you know, financials, credit card information. Uh, digital healthcare information. Mm-hmm. I think that the and e- even at um, it's a government level he, here in the UK, the uh, National Cybersecurity Centre produces guidance for employees, and it, they recognise that it is just guidance, and there's certain baselines that um, can be met or suggested to meet, and then um, you know exceeded. But sometimes they're not very prescriptive as to how to do it. Um, so it, it, it's more of a, a general brushstroke of this is the outcome you should uh, seek to gain or such, su- should such an incident happen, you have 72 hours to notify whomever, um, then that needs to be uh, sort of taken as, that, okay, how are we going to actually achieve that? So that's where you can consult people people like us um, who offer professional services, managed services um, to help you design and implement a suitable program such that if a particular uh, industry regulation is super important to you, then, you know, let's make sure that the system's set up for that. If, um, if you're operating under jurisdiction, that's a, a different type of um, regulation is important to you. Let's perhaps take some of the, the pre-built um, uh, rules and um, configurations that exist within the product, and let's set those up for you. Um, so yeah, the, 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 I think the, the, the key, summary, in summary, seek guidance. <laughs> and then um, whether that's the auditors, whether that's the leading vendors, like Proofpoint, we know we're, we're number one in the inside of threat management space, uh, number two in the data loss prevention space. We've got tens of millions of users uh, being protected by our cloud security tools. Um, leverage us. We, we're, we're here to help. We, we, we don't just sell product. Uh, we, we help make sure that there's successful implementations as well. Yeah. Well, that's the key to managed services, right? You're there and you you stand by your clients and, and, uh, and your reputation. Sure, it's, it's a partnership. We're, we're very we're very honoured to have our customers across defence, healthcare, finance, um, and we feel as though we are making their 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 life easier, their businesses more secure, mm-hmm. and their employees more informed to 
to act in the right way. Well, to me, a uh, company like Proofpoint, like your reputation is also, if I'm a corporate user, my reputation, right? Because I'm relying on you to make sure I look good, <laughs> right? That's, a, right? That's kind right. of the bottom line in, in, in a way. But, uh, you know, during our two podcasts, I've heard a lot. And what, what I'm hearing is a company that knows what, just, knows what it's doing, has been there, done that, got the t-shirt, like you said, but I also would throw in has the sandals too, right? So it's like you got you got your you got your feet on the ground in, in in the technology space. You know what's going on. You've been around all this stuff, right? So like I know every day Proofpoint analyzes, you know, 2.6 billion emails, almost 50 billion URLs, almost 2 billion mobile messages. You know, that doesn't come cheap. And it doesn't come when I'm when I'm saying cheap. I'm I'm saying without any sort of professional knowledge, for lack of a better word, professional knowledge. Like you have to know what you're doing. Like it's one say one thing to say oh, we, we monitor stuff, but it's another thing to say we monitor it proactively. We do all the things we talked about in in our two podcasts, and we know what we're doing. And it really the the technology could really dive into the corporate culture, train users up, be part of the security program. It's much more embedded and it, it envelopes the company with a deeper sense of uh, what cybersecurity should be through awareness, but also on the regulatory side that if something does happen, you do have the proof. If something did occur, well, you got screenshots, you could see, well, this is the guy and this is what he did. And we did catch it. But unfortunately, this happened, but now we have this backup data. Or in the case of compliance on the inside, you could also go, well, we did stop it. And this is where we stopped it. This is what happened. This is why it happened. And you learn from it. So from that standpoint, from my from my point of view, that's also a very powerful thing too, because it, it will show management that, yes, the technology is working, but look how, much, look how much money it saved us because we didn't have that breach. We didn't have that incident happen. We don't have to disclose that you know we lost you know forty five million healthcare records for the for the NHS or whomever or t- credit card details. Because can you imagine if a credit card company or or the the NHS all of a sudden you know all these healthcare records are out there? How does how does that how does that make me feel? Unfortunately, the last two years the cost of a data breach has increased by about thirty percent. And that's the cost to handle it, remediate, including fines, et cetera. Yeah. So it, it's key for organizations to start thinking about how they are looking at their data. Mm-hmm. And our, our approach is a people-centric one. And it seems to make sense from what I can see in terms of the threat landscape, uh, external attackers, the, the risk presented by insiders, and tying it all together so that you've got a... Um, an information protection program that's built on context behavior and factors in that threat aspect as well. And the, the hard cost for a breach and everything you just mentioned there is one thing, but the collateral damage around the corporate image. Oh, sure. Customer loss, brand damage. It's, it's, uh, it's, it can it's be a, a lot more. Significant, significant oh, issue. Absolutely. So really the investment you're making up front on technology such as Proofpoint and all the other things you have to have in place, like your firewalls and all the other stuff. Uh, is relatively small compared to what can actually happen. And I know just talking to people, 
sometimes when there are especially smaller companies, well, why would be why would we be attacked? Well, first of all, why wouldn't you? And the second of all, it's like a lot of them don't see an issue until it becomes an issue, and then their eyes open up and they go, "Oh my God, you know, all this stuff has occurred." In the UK, for example, we have um, a reputation for engineering excellence. Mm-hmm. We're surprised how many smaller engineering firms are part of really significant and vast supply chains. So if any of the smaller firms were to become compromised, and then say they would then send invoices, uh, manipulated invoices into the supply chain, that could then uh, result in um, you know, uh, financial fraud. Um, so the, 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 there's there's definite reason for organisations of any size to think about uh, securing their data, uh, protecting their people. So just to wrap up, what kind of advice can you give our listeners uh, on to where get where to get additional resources or guidance on security best practices, that sort of thing? So f- first off, Briefpoint is here to help. Um, we don't just sell products. We have a services arm as well that can help with a successful implementation. Um, we're trusted across some significant organizations around the world, and we can leverage that expertise to, to help solidify your data security as well. Feel free to check out proofpoint.com. We have a, a really nice uh, booklet called Getting Started with data loss prevention and insider threat management. That lists out a series of steps that you might wish to uh, go through in a program, Um, but certainly reach out to us or reach out to your your service provider and and ask them how Proofpoint can help with our Sigma information protection platform. Thank you, Carl. That was really interesting. I think uh, that wraps up our podcast for today. Uh, I think we covered a lot of the uh, key aspects of what Proofpoint is as a company, uh, what it does, and the people-focused security aspect that they provide. So I think that's it. Uh, Thank you, Carl. I look forward to talking to you again in the future sometime. And I think that's about it.